what we do here is go back, 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 back. I think that we need to start having a long conversation about is Kyle Shanahan actually a good coach? Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. Joining me, as always, is Andy McDonald with us again, welcoming him back as a reoccurring guest, Jake Straub. Jake, you know, you're like a you're you're like the third chair now for this for this <laughs> podcast. You know, you kind of filled in Dan's spot a little bit. Dan was on a heater for a long time and and, and here you are back to back almost. So he's gonna be you? upset with me. Yeah, yeah he might be. I'm good. I'm good. I'm super pumped to be back. And Micah, you have, I don't know if people have told you this, you have a podcast voice. Yeah. If you know what I mean. I was yeah. like, I, th- this probably is going to sound weird and creepy, but when you're talking, I like got lost in your podcast voice. I was like, dang, Andy, am I, am I crazy? Or is that like pretty? No, you're spot on. Like okay. I, I sound like a schizophrenic that has ADD. <laughs> and then Micah is just like, just perfect so yeah, yeah that's yeah. false but i i will say my wife did tell me that as well she was uh she said you should you and andy should do the podcast you've been wanting to do because you have a podcast voice so it's true it's true so i just had to throw out that little creepy gesture for you got you appreciate it yeah, <laughs> yeah. well I'm, I'm i'm doing great guys in case you were interested um but i will say um micah had a birthday yesterday so um we we will not sing happy birthday but jake do you mind if you and i just clap mike up right now for his birthday um for mike's birthday was yesterday did you give him uh uh, did you give him pto this time um well he would have had to awarded himself that so um i'm i'm sure he did but that translated into him actually working his day job so um so yes and no um all in the same so we pushed the podcast to, to today because of it but also the guy was grinding, you know. Gotcha. But. Well, Micah, you know, happy birthday, forty-eight. That's a that's a big number. So we're. I really to appreciate it. Yeah, I, we got you. you. Know, feel, yeah. I feel like I'm thirty-two again. So you know, it must right. be. <laughs> you don't look a day over thirty-two, regardless <laughs> if you're forty-eight. So no matter what anyone tells you, Micah, <laughs> we love you. That's, and that's right. why we clapped it up for you. But um, yeah, we had a big week. Uh, as far as the NFL playoffs conference championships for this weekend, we're going to recap that and get into some Raider news that, as I'm sure everyone knows, has hit hit the news outlet recently um, with some press conferences and some announcements. But before we jump into the Raider stuff, let's just talk about this past week. Um, Mike and I we're still on a uh, we're still in a competition, and there was some ambiguity prior to the recording, but we want to set the record straight, uh, more so myself, but. We were tied coming into this. Um, the divisional round, we were one and three. Not very good. Okay. Just want to put that out there. And then for this week, Micah had the Bengals covering and winning. So as I'm sure everyone saw, the 130 game, um, Bengals ended up winning overtime 27 to 24. So Micah, congratulations on that. I had the Bengals covering and the Chiefs winning. So um, as mentioned with our point um, distribution, Micah would, after that game, technically be up a half of a point so he is first place and then there was the second game and that was the rams and niners and what micah had was the rams covering and winning 
unfortunately, because of the half point, which we always like to make sure is factoring in, um, they the Rams did not cover. So the Niners did cover, um, which I think everyone was happy about the fact that the Niners lost. Um, but I did have the Niners covering and the Rams winning. Not sure how that worked out. But because of that, I have taken sole possession of first place. Um, happy birthday to Micah. Um, I have a half point um, ahead of him. But that leads us to an illustrious Super Bowl matchup that we will preview for you all um, next week. So hopefully everyone was able to catch the games. I, to be perfectly honest, Mikey, you could probably chime in here, but I didn't watch much of each game. It was on, um, but we were also doing a lot of work on, on our house and I was kind of popping it out, but obviously great to see that the Bengals had taken care of the chiefs. It, it, it was basically per, like best case scenario because what I had feared at least is the fact that the chiefs and the Niners would actually end up in the Super Bowl, which happened. I believe three years ago. Um, and so that was not cool. Chiefs ended up winning that, but both of them lost. So the Bengals went into Kansas City, ended up taking care of the Chiefs 27 to 24. Um, Holmes threw a pick in overtime. Bengals go down, kick a game winning field goal, which is great. And then um, the Rams beat the Niners 20 to 17, kicked a field goal pretty late um, in the fourth quarter. And then Jimmy G just did Jimmy G and shovel pass something to a running back as he was getting sacked. And then the Rams ended up picking it off and solidifying it from there. So any thoughts, Micah or Jake on the games um, from this past weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, they were, they were both great games. Uh, it was uh, the Bengals chiefs. That was a rough one at first. Uh, Cause I believe that the chiefs were up. 21 to three, maybe somewhere around there going, going into halftime. And one of the biggest plays of the game, it felt like was, and he's, he's been getting a lot of heat lately, but Eli Apple, I don't know. He's pretty terrible and he's pretty terrible online. A lot of people were, were getting after him, um, but he made a play right before the half on Tyreek Hill, stopped him at the two yard line um, so that the Chiefs didn't go up 28 to three going into half. Bengals ended up coming back, and it felt like that was like a, a you know they score a touchdown there, they go into the second half with all this like crazy momentum that almost kind of like stalled out a little bit, and felt like it helped the Bengals, um, you know, get after them in the in the second half. Defense played amazing for the Bengals, obviously Joe Burrow, Joy Football, going in there slinging it, did everything he needed to do, and and there was just some insane plays where he just scrambled, got away, and made things happen. It was just like one play after another with him. It was it was quite fantastic. And their defense really stepped up and, you know, caused them to, to have to, you know, turn the ball over or, you know, punt and, and really limited them like they did the last time they played in Cincinnati. They did the same thing in the second half as well. So it was a great game. Bengals go out there and win it. Chiefs get knocked out. As much as I dislike the Bengals um, this year in the playoffs, I'll root for them over the Chiefs any day. So before we move on to the next one, um, regardless of our, um, you know, our current standing, because, you know, once again, Super Bowl will, will determine um, our fate here as far as our matchup, but you calling the Bengals to cover and win, I think should just be noted because like that was, it was the biggest spread. It was the least likely um, Bengals were the team that, you know, beat the Raiders, unfortunately kind of beat the Titans, the number one seed and then go into Arrowhead. So, um, hats off to you on that. And then, like you said, 21 to three chiefs only scoring two points um, in the second half. So Jake, I know you probably have a few things about the Bengal and, and the chiefs, right. But feel free to to chime in here because 
I know that there's some some certain feelings that you have around these two teams. Yeah, so I also missed uh, most of the game because um, I was at the airport traveling back to Arizona. So I only got to see like pieces of the game. So how it ended for me is seeing it was 21-3, like you just said, Micah, going into half, I believe. And so I was like, okay, I'm about to get on the plane. Chiefs are going to win. And yes, I know I'm supposed to hate the Chiefs, but when the Raiders aren't in it anymore, I'm going to root for them any day over the the Bengals. The Bengals, it's like they're my new trigger team. You know, you see those certain teams and they just upset you when they when they win. The Chargers are one of them for me. When they win, I just I don't know what it is. It makes me really upset. Like watching Herbert play makes me upset. Anyways, the Bengals are that new team for me. So I had the false assumption and security of thinking that the Chiefs were going to win the game. The second I landed in Phoenix, the first thing I did, I got my phone. I checked to see how badly the Chiefs beat the Bengals, and I could not believe what I saw. I, I was sitting there. I was refreshing my phone. I'm like, no, this can't be right. This is probably one of those uh, accounts that is, you know, it's just a joke, one of those, like, meme accounts. This can't be real. And then they unfortunately won. So I, uh, you know, I have to hand it to them, but they are my new trigger team. So that's all I have to say about them. And I'm probably going to despise them even more going into this next season. We don't have to spend too much time on this, but like, I feel, and and you and Mike are kind of in the same camp, right? But like, I, I like the Bengals. Like, I kind of feel like they're the team of destiny. Like they just, they have, they're, they have so much swag, like Joey, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, like those guys. I, I, I do not like the fact that they beat the Raiders. Okay, let me just be clear on that. But, like, going into Arrowhead and beating Kansas City, like, that made me happy. So, I get it. But, like, I'm I'm kind of pulling for them. Like, I'm not trying to lead my way into my Super Bowl pick by any means. But, like, wh- what's your guys' beef right now with the Bengals? Because I, I, I just I, – I need to know. Well – the beef is the, the Raiders already had this historic season with everything that happened, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? And it was something straight out of a movie, something that we didn't think ever would happen, that they would even get to the playoffs. And so once we got there, they are the ones that prevented us from having that picture-perfect ending uh, of the story. So that's all that I really you know have against them, you know, I do respect the whole underdog thing. I will give it to them, but you know they beat the Raiders, so I I just I can't ever like them. I can respect that, Micah. Let's just hear your two cents. So I I would say it just it it directly just stems from the fact that they beat the Raiders, right? It's just still shitty with how that game kind of panned out, and you know we ended up losing. I will say if it had if the Raiders didn't play them, if they never beat the Raiders. I would probably be rooting for them as like that team of destiny type of vibe where they're just like, they're, they're playing with house money and they're just, you know, going all the way. And Joe Burrow is just on this swag train. He's just the the conductor of this swag train, just heading, you know, a thousand miles an hour downhill. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch. It's great to watch. I, like I said, any day the chiefs lose, I'll root for any team that's playing the chiefs uh, for them to win and whatnot. I think it just is like, you know, they beat the Raiders. I'm upset at how that went. You know, like I said, I think last podcast, you know, it would be great to be able to say the Raiders lost to the Super Bowl champions, you know, and that would make the sting a little less. But, you know, it's wild because that it, that errant whistle doesn't happen. The Raiders are in the Super Bowl right now. You know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
but I, I really don't have anything against the Bengals outside of the fact that it's like, ah, they beat the Raiders. Like, that's shitty. But I will agree with this team of destiny thing that I do like it. I will. I, it's it's definitely something that I could root for or get behind. I'm also not going to bury the lead on where I'm going in the Super Bowl. But, you know, is that enough of a storyline to sway me to vote for them? Who knows? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. But, no, like, I get it. I think maybe I'm just so used to picking a team in the playoffs because the Raiders are never there. So, yes, it does sting a little bit. I get both sides. So, it's all good. The Bengals are moving on. Um, they will be representing the AFC as far as um, in the Super Bowl. So let's move on to the NFC. And that was, as mentioned, the Rams at home. They beat the Niners 20 to 17. You know, this was, it was a very weird game. I will tell you that. Um, there is this weird fun fact. I'm not taking any jabs at anyone specifically, but so there have only been four teams to lose an NFL playoff game when they are leading by 10 or more points in the fourth quarter. Um, and three of those teams happen to be coached by Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. So, well, two two were the Niners, one was the Falcons. So it was the 28-3 game, Falcons, Patriots, everyone knows that. And then there was the Niners were up 10-plus points against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They lost that. They went into the fourth quarter against the uh, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay-led Rams um, and ended up losing, coming out on the back end, not trying to poke fun anywhere because I always show respect to the Niners, but um, unfortunately they came out on the bad end of that. Matt Gay kicked a field goal to go up 20 to 17. Niners with the ball, I believe it was like a buck 40 something um, one time out. Jimmy G having a phenomenal day as usual. I think he was like 10 for 427 um, with 14 picks, but not really, but um, he didn't do well. Um, and then also, I mean, he was, it was really the O-line of the Niners got attacked. Um, and then he, you know, all throughout the whole game, but then especially on that play, he was getting wrapped up for a sack, tried to shovel pass it to one of his backs and then bounced off their hands. Rams pick it off. They solidify that. So any thoughts on that game? Jake probably, as he mentioned, he was traveling. I didn't see much of the game, but saw saw enough that I could just be like, oh, good. You know, so any thoughts there, boys? Yeah, I'll kick this over to, to Micah for this one. I missed 99% of the game, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually got to watch a good amount of it. And it was um, it was interesting because it seemed like, for the most part, the Rams' defensive line, they weren't doing as much as you thought they might go out there and do. Um, Jimmy G was, you know, having to be aware of, of those guys, obviously. But it didn't seem until the fourth quarter when I was watching the game that they were really just, like, just causing mayhem. You know, Aaron Donald blowing blowing up the pocket. Von Miller, I don't think he got his first quarterback hit um, and was sackless in that game up until the fourth quarter. And so, you know, it seemed like they were the Niners were getting by um, and they were kind of dinking and dunking a lot, you know, and making things happen in that regard. But it was kind of like uh, what happened with Green Bay. The Niners defense was doing well enough to, you know, uh, limit Stafford, limit what they were able to do. Um, you know, they did have some things not fall their way. Poor man's version of Cooper Cup. I forget it. what his name is. It's like Krafajakajak. It's not. I don't know. I'm just saying words. But he drops a uh, he drops one in the end zone. Um, Cooper Cup did this little like corner route. He did a seam up the middle and was 20 yards ahead of whoever was trailing behind him. Drops it in the end zone. So they had things like that that were happening. But at the end of the day, Matty Stafford, like I said, the AFC quarterback of destiny, just like Burrow is on the AFC side, made it happen. 
the defense really stepped up for the Rams um, in the fourth quarter, getting some stat- sacks, causing them to punt the ball, um, causing some turnovers. In the end, they pulled it out. But, you know, the Niners were ahead, like you said, by 10 points. And they just ended up blowing it. So I think that we need to start having a long conversation about is Kyle Shanahan actually a good coach? So, Yeah, Ben um, Skowrenak, I believe is the name. So I, I think you're pretty close there. But number 18, yeah, big, big drop in the back of the end zone. But yeah, I, I caught some of it. But all in all, you know, it, it was just interesting to see the Niners because I did catch the last drive and, and was able to somewhat matriculate my way through the game. But, you know, Shanahan does a great job of getting his guys the ball. So Debo, Kittle, you know, those ones, he, he, he tends to do a good job even at the, you know, at the will of, of Jimmy G being a little bit um, restricted. So um, just as far as the, you know, the last drive is concerned, just it just didn't seem like they had much of a plan. Like it was just kind of wonky. And so, but, you know, that that might be the end of Jimmy G. I think all of us can say, I'm so sorry about that. Poor Jimmy G. But you're going to move on. Just disregard all of the comparisons to Carr because it's not even close. So, but that's what we have. So Bengals and Rams is the Super Bowl that is coming up. We will get that preview going next week. But before we do, Micah, would you like to tell the people who this episode is brought to us by? Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, Play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million in top prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void when prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Um, well, let's move on to some Raider news. Um, so as mentioned, you know, recently, the last couple of weeks, Raiders are have been out for a new general manager and head coach um, over this past weekend things kind of moved in the right direction. So they ended up bringing on um, Dave Ziegler um, as well as Josh McDaniels. So Ziegler as the GM candidate who we've discussed um, and McDaniels, who we actually didn't know if he was going to entertain the offer um, to be the head coach, but a lot of steam picked up over the weekend. So the Raiders are set as far as their um, organization is concerned um, with some 
shot callers as far as the personnel and also the head coach, which we've been um, a little bit in flux with Rich Visaccia, so many different names that we've we've discussed. So, um, guys, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pass it off to you. Obviously, as you know, I will have a lot of thoughts about this, but what were your first impressions of um, this recent news that we saw? Well, Andy, I must say it did help me that we got to talk offline about this um, a few times this week because when this was all going on initially, I was all Bisaccia, right? I was like, no, he's the guy. It, not only because he did things that other coaches hadn't done in 50 years with him, you know, coming on after, was it four games in or five games in when Gruden resigned? Whenever it was, the coaches hadn't done that in over 50 years, you know, making it to the playoffs like that. On top of that, they love him. You know, the the players love Bisaccia, and I think that is a very underrated type of topic to to think about so at first I was really bummed out I was like this is the guy we got to the playoffs what else could you ask for and then Andy after we talked about you know about the new GM and the head coach coming over I did a little more research on them and from what I've really learned the last couple days is that they really are a match made in heaven I heard those exact words recently actually and when it comes to leadership especially high performance leadership and a winning type of culture it does really start and end with leadership now knowing that these two go back what 25 years or so play together and known each other that long and have this respect for each other bringing that to the Raiders although yes there is some risk I can see this being very beneficial for the Raiders even though at first I it's not something I wanted to see it all and I do have to admit with McDaniels it is very intriguing having someone come to the Raiders that worked with Belichick for that long and even coach Brady you you, you have to be at least intrigued with the the idea um, my worry is um, from what I've seen there was a few players that weren't too excited about him coming over and when there is a bad leader or a leader that people don't want there that can be very distracting to the end goal, which is obviously to win every Sunday. So that is my worry. But the one thing I, I'm not worried about that I've heard a few people talk about was when he had that short stint in Denver and then essentially lost the job really fast. I'm not worried about that. That was a long time ago. He was, what, 32 years old or something like that. I don't think that has anything to do with today. So I'm not worried about that. Um, and I do like, I heard him say, I think this was from the press conference. He said uh, his style is very demanding, but not demeaning. So I think that's a, a pretty strong, strong way to lead people, especially in the, the NFL, because that can be a, you know, a very fine line <laughs> uh, with both of those two. So overall, I'm intrigued. I'm excited, but I'm trying not to think about the past, which at this point is Passaccia. So that's where I'm at so far. Yeah, you know, I we talked about it before on 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 where we thought we were with McDaniel's and, and all that kind of stuff. And I and I do like um I do like this pairing with them because as you said, that familiarity with someone, it'll help things kind of hit the ground running, you know, from the get go. Something that uh Ziegler mentioned in the press conference as well, which is, you know, something that that definitely helps with the situation. He said with that familiarity, it's it's great to, you know, be able to trust that person um, and be that person's biggest supporter. Um, you also have the ability to be that person's biggest critic. You feel comfortable enough 
um, you know, kind of telling them how it is and they feel that they can, they can do that and that they can be just as supportive and, you know, and, and, but also sit there and tell you like, Hey, I don't think this is, this is right. I don't think this is what we should do, you know, be able to criticize each other obviously in the right way. One thing that I really did like uh, is that there was a question posed in regards to draft decisions, player decision, player personnel decisions, contract stuff and whatnot. And and Ziegler point blank said, you know, we're obviously going to have the same path that we're on, um, the same idea that we're on. We're going to have talks on, on you know, the routes we want to go. But at the end of the day, it's my decision and I'm the one that's going to be making these decisions. And that's one thing that was always kind of in flux and in the air when we talked about Gruden and Mayock, who's really pulling the strings, who's calling the decisions, making these final things and whatnot. And so him getting out ahead of it and just kind of saying like, look, I'm the one that's going to make these decisions. It's going to be on me. Yes, everybody's input is going to be taken in. But at the end of the day, we're going to have a, uh, you know, a common goal and a common directive that I'm going to be controlling for the most part. So. Uh, you know, I like this this new era that we're going into. I think McDaniel's was definitely the best candidate to pick up where we left off in regards to an offense that Carr can sh- flourish in, and I think that he is going to bring somewhat of a similar style to you know the offense we were kind of running, but something that's more creative. In New England last year, they had like they had like a top seven offense, like number six offense, um, with a rookie Mac Jones, and they were I think eighth in red zone efficiency, um, and that's touchdowns only. That's not um, incorporating whether they you know got field goals out of things. So it's a very unique offense, a very um, creative offense, and one that is shown to be effective in the red zone, which is, I think, the biggest thing that we didn't have uh, on offense was creativity and uh, red zone efficiency. So I like the idea. I like, you know, I like the hires. Looking back at it, would have rather had Dodds as a GM. You know, we talked about that. But at the end of the day, I think McDaniels was the target for head coach uh, that Davis wanted. Um, And I think that you go with Zeigler because you want McDaniels so much um, in, in that regard. So not mad at it at all. Um, I do like the pairing, and, I, and I'm excited to see where things go from here. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I, you know, had to come into come to terms with as well. So, I, I did want Dobbs overall, but you know, as far as Ziegler's concerned, you know, Jake, you and I talked about this, you know, previously, but you know, they they actually started working together in Denver back when McDaniel's was the head coach there. So. Um, they have a long history together, um, and as as much as it's Ziegler's decision to, you know, acquire personnel, which would be through free agency or the draft, um, it's also through the lens of McDaniel's, which is I think very important in kind of that structure and balance that um, we haven't had, and also that, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it, it's really every every pick has been terrible for us in that sense, but but you saw the Gruden influence, and then you saw that when it worked out or when it did not, so. Um, I think that's that's something that is good as far as structurally concerned. I think another thing, if you want to just be optimistic, which I'm usually not, um, you have McDaniels who had a bad, you know, he he failed in Denver. He had the Indianapolis job that he ended up turning down. And, and then since then, he's been very selective to take the next head coaching job and he chose the Raiders. Um, and then you have Ziegler who he started in Denver, moved over to um, New England, and then also kind of worked his way up. And then Nick Casario ended up moving over to the Texans to be the GM there. So that is where he was able to get kind of bumped up to the director of player personnel. As everyone probably knows, Bill Belichick is the 
um, head coach, GM, and also the D coordinator for New England. So um, his his status was not status, but opportunity for growth was a little limited there. But I think it's two younger guys that have seen a lot of football. Um, McDaniel's talked a lot about us of being able to coach both defense and offense. And I think everyone knows him as this offensive guru, but he has been exposed to the defense side. But there was something I saw that Belichick, I think it was last year, was referring to McDaniel when he met had mentioned this connection as far as like, I guess more so football IQ with um, Nick Saban, as far as like he knows exactly what, you know, the D tackles doing, the left guards doing. He knows all the ins and outs of all 11 players um, that are on the offense and defense side of the ball. So someone that is so entrenched in that game that has watched so much film or has been exposed to it, um, I think is going to just be really great for the Raiders when I think maybe at times Gruden had too much of an influence or Carr had enough control and it may have not always been warranted um, in that sense. And that's not to discredit Carr by any means, but it, it's something that where if you have someone, if it's always coming down like top down from a leader, from a coach um, to say, Hey, this is what we need to go into. And there's still trust. Um, I think that's a great thing because you always want that to be, I guess, validated from film or from experience compared to just gut instinct. And as much as Gruden's offense benefited us in the in previously, I think there's a lot of things that may have been outdated and he just was not able to adapt just for play calling as, as it relates. So um, the other thing too, is that a rumor that came out is that I heard um, once Brady left, um, went to Tampa Bay, that Ziegler, who was the director of player personnel and McDaniels, the coach, as they were going into the draft, they did actually bring up the the potential of trading for Carr. So that shows that they are actually all in on him and have been someone that they have coveted previously. Um, and so whether you like it or not, you know, and, and that as much as I'm saying to everyone else, I'm saying to myself, right. It's like cars here, right. And, and cars that, that extension is going to be sooner than later. Um, and so I think it's, I think that was the best way for us to be, to not take such a step back when, when we have a team that did make the playoffs that we have a team that did, that is kind of getting better and, and, and kind of growing on the defensive side where there are a few blue chip players to rally around and also, you know, grow our team. So we are one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Um, and so there's a lot to hold on to, but I think the the quarterback debate, as I also kind of fall into can kind of be overwhelming and a little bit too important sometimes because what you have is a top, not a top five um, quarterback Mondo, um, but, a, but a top, 12 top 10 quarterback that that you can actually you know build around and that's a lot more than a lot of teams that um can say because there's a lot of teams that are figuring out where where, what their quarterback situation is so um i think it's good because you look at mcdaniels and what he's done with with brady and and as great as brady was he did retire um this week but as great as he was kind of towards the end of his career he did decline from you know kind of in his mid to late 30s and McDaniels was a huge part of how he when he did regress how he was able to progress and, and kind of turn it into there so I think you look at someone that can get the most out of the quarterback that's McDaniels and out of every head coaching candidate so I think that's fantastic so there's a lot a lot of good there um, it, it also you know there's a lot of unknown which I think if you could it, it's easy to pick apart the McDaniel thing, right? I think Ziegler, no one has is enough or enough context on him to just say like, oh, I don't like this or I do like this, you know, whatever. But McDaniel's with the Broncos, with the Coles thing and everything like that, you can kind of pick pick it apart. But like, hey, what we're talking about is outside of Basaccia, he was probably the, the most talented and most 
qualified candidate for this job. It was just whether he was willing to do it. So, um, and, and when you bring someone like that in and he brings something that can get our quarterback who has kind of always been a fringe of good to great, you know, I think that's, and I, I don't know how else you can't be excited for that. So is it new? Is it different? Yes. But I think there's a lot of positive things um, that came away from that. And then, you know, the, the Harbaugh thing, I think we kind of got bogged up with, but man, I, I, I'll tell you straight up, like I'm more excited for McDaniels than, than I am for the Harbaugh potential. I mean, he's, he's the Vikings coach. I think, I think he's going, he's going towards that job. So good luck with Kirk Cousins. They're not going to agree when they go to barbecue and Kirk Cousins throws a stake into a tinfoil. So um, they'll have to figure that out. But right now I think we have probably one of the smartest offensive minds in the NFL that um, isn't a head coach. And, and I'm excited to see where, where he takes our offense because guys, we talked about it. Like the biggest difference of, of us, not like we were able to win some games down the stretch, but who kind of let us down towards the end of the year is our offense. Mikey, you shared the, you know, the splits of, of, you know, the first eight games compared to the last eight games with car or whatever it may be. Right. But it was our offense that, that struggled and, you know, they're big on the running game. So getting Jacobs in there, that'll be interesting as far as how they treat his option, you know, with his contract. So obviously I don't have many things to say about this, but um, I think it's just, um, I, I think it's a really good thing for us. And I think I'm more optimistic than I usually am. And, and I, I'm, I'm actually happy that we're kind of going in this direction. So. Mike, a question for you. So we talked a few weeks ago about, Car's future and what you think his contract would look like. And now, Andy, as you're mentioning, it's probably pretty optimistic as of right now for Carr. Mike, is your answer still the same? Do you think the contract will still be, you know, maybe a couple of years type of a thing? Or do you think with our new head coach and GM, it could look different for Carr? Good or bad? You know, I, I still think that he's probably a big reason why they came here, like Andy was mentioning. Um, I do think that he's, you know, they're going to give him some type of extension. I still think that they probably give him two or three more year, like maybe extend him two or three more years, um, which gives him a three or four year contract going from here. You know, I, I, I guess it's just not much different than, you know, what I said before. I think what I am excited to see is what a more creative, more efficient offense can do for Carr. See if that can take him to, you know, the next level and extend his game. So, yeah, I think my answer is the same in regards to, you know, where he's at. I mean, it's, he's here to stay. I think, you know, I don't think there's any question about that. Like Andy mentioned, I don't see a situation where Carr isn't our quarterback this year. And I don't see a situation where Carr is our quarterback uh, without an extension and, or some type of guaranteed money um, because he's playing with zero guaranteed money this year. So I think we see an extension at some point. Ziegler mentioned that, you know, before they can get into that, they really got to, you know, build a relationship and uh, get to know each other and see how that vision combines uh, moving forward. So I think roughly about the same that I said before, but I, I, I do think they extend him. The extent of that extension, extent of that extension, you know, is to be seen, obviously. But I still think we're in that, you know, two or three year window, maybe three or four year window. But you know, think about how many, you know, how many more years um, do you want to commit to it and whatnot. So. Well, and, and sorry, if, if you don't mind me jumping in, like it's, he is oh, like his contract is going to be 25 mil for this last year. Right. But we're hung up on as far as the dead cap, we had zero dead cap. So let's say we do extend him. If, if you want to look at the market, like it, it's, it's not great. Right. It's not great as far as like financially. So he probably warranting, you know, two more years at 35, you know, per year. So let's just say we bump him up to, 
um, 75 or 80, right? Over those two years, that's still a three-year deal. That's a hundred million and you could guarantee 70 of it, right? And then what you're talking about is over the next three years, he's that will level set him to more of like three years at 33, right? Or 34 and a half, right? So that we're still under market cap and he's still kind of like slotted as far as where he needs to be. And that's a way that where he can guarantee some money because that was the biggest thing is that's that's why he wants to renegotiate because he doesn't have guaranteed money. So we can do that and it can still be over two years and we can guarantee enough for him to stick around for two or three years and we can still assess the more so long-term future. So we don't have to just cut ties necessarily, you know. Do you guys want some breaking news, by the way? So the Raiders, they actually did just hire an assistant general manager, which was uh, Champ Kelly. Um, so they interviewed him for the GM role. He's coming from um, the Chicago Bears. So they interviewed him for a GM role. They were obviously really impressed with him, ended up going with the Ziegler route, and then we're actually bringing him on as an assistant GM. So I think this isn't the Raiders of, you know, of how we of how we're used to. I think it's really cool that they're they're keeping the people in house. Um, and Micah, this is probably going to transition a little bit to what you're going to talk about here shortly. But um, I think it's great to see the people they're interviewing. They're still considering and creating roles because, regardless, that these aren't all the the GMs or the head coaches that we're interviewing weren't weren't just oh their next step is that role. So um, for this guy for the the Bears, he's actually getting a elevator role. And so um, something else that Micah will talk to about, but also like we interviewed Drod Mayo. Um, he was a defensive assistant, kind of the pseudo D coordinator, but he wasn't calling the plays. So technically a D coordinator role would be an elevator role for him if McDaniels did want to bring him along. So let's move into that direction. Mikey, you've got a few coordinators that are out there on on your list, I'm sure. Sorry if I stole one, but uh, feel you free did. to do that. Yeah, you stole <laughs> half of my defensive list, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll start on the offense because um, the offense is offense is an interesting uh, situation, interesting position because Josh McDaniels is the play caller, right? He's the head coach. He is the person coordinating the offense, right? But you got to have an offensive coordinator, someone that's going to come in and have a, a similar view, similar eye uh, for the game plan, the style, um, you know, the overall direction and whatnot, and just help kind of move things along. Maybe someone in the booth, right? First candidate, there's going to be names on here that they're not going to resonate great with football fans in general, um, Raider Nation as well, when you hear these names come out. But just hear me out, all right? First one, Bill O'Brien. He was the Pats offensive coordinator in 2011. They averaged 32 points per game. You got to give him credit and responsibility for developing Deshaun Watson. He's a veteran offensive mind that um, McDaniels can lean on, someone who was in the Pats organization as well. I think he's one of those guys that you talk about where he – and I think a lot of these names that are on this list, you're going to find that same situation. They were good coordinators, but they weren't good head coaches, right? Because it's a different position altogether. So I think Bill O'Brien was a great offensive mind um, and and call coordinator. Obviously didn't work out super well when he was with the Texans. We did talk about that GM slash head coach role. Had to fire himself as the head coach, I think. Whatever it was that Andy was talking about before. But anyways... First name on that list. Uh, second name, Adam Gase. He was a wide receivers coach with McDaniels for the Broncos. Uh, he was also their offensive coordinator in two, 2013 when they won the Super Bowl, right? I, a lot of people say 
you know, that was a Peyton Manning thing, right? Gase was kind of just riding the coattails of Peyton Manning. But he was very productive as a coordinator and a positional coach. Now he goes to the Giant, uh, the Jets um, as the head coach and was absolutely terrible, right? But once again, you see someone that was doing very well at the spot that they were at. You know, he got a head coaching position for a reason, right? And he was uh, very forward-facing at the time. So you never know. Um, last name, Chad O'Shea. He's the Browns passing game coordinator. He was the wide receivers coach with McDaniels in New England for seven years. He is someone that knows his style of offense, knows who he is as a coach, um, and is is another one of those people that can step into that role as like a secondhand man to kind of just help his philosophy along. You know, you're not asking them to come in and, and, and create an offensive scheme and all this stuff. You're asking them to come in and, and assist with the things that he's going to be doing and implementing and stuff like that. So that's kind of like a, a younger guy, a newer name that is, you know, getting some, some looks on the offensive side of stuff. But a lot of this has to do with just the connections that they have with the Pats in new England for the most part. So we will leave it there for the second. Andy, if you have anything to Jake, but Andy thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. And like, I think we, we should kind of deal with this with, you know, some context, like you said, like it's, we have a, an offensive minded, offensive focused head coach that will ultimately be calling the plays. So what you're really looking for and not to kind of downgrade this, but it's, you're kind of looking for like the, the QB coach, wide receiver coach, running back co- coach, as far as re- responsibilities, right? So more so someone that understands the system that can teach the system. Um, but ultimately make Daniels is going to call the plays day in and day out. The names you mentioned, I think, are, are fascinating. You know, with O'Brien, um, I think he's he had an interesting time in in Houston, and then also kind of made his way around, you know, to Alabama, um, different things like that. And then you look at Adam Gase, got some weird eyes, kind of failed when he was the Jets the Jets coach. So um, yeah, I mean, it's those names are are interesting, but it's, it's really the familiarity with the system, which I wouldn't be mad about because, like we're talking about, the, the responsibility that they would actually be taking on is not as significant because they're not going to be technically the offense coordinator that calls the plays. So Chad O'Shea is actually someone that has, um, he did end up landing with the Browns, but he was actually in the the circuit of um, offense coordinator roles over the last um, year or two um, because coming from that system. And so I think that would be a good target to have. But once again, I don't think it's anything that not like I, I, I would always rather a quality coach regardless um, that that's coming in, but um, the significance of that hire isn't as big as I think that we're going to talk about, which is the D coordinator. So, yeah, it's almost as if you're, I mean, it's, it's almost as if you're just bringing in a yes man, right. Someone to just kind of, um, you know, go along with things, which that may be a negative way to look at it. But anyways, um, moving on to the defense. Okay. Defensive coordinator. Now, I believe McDaniels did say that um, all of the current staff he is going to be speaking with and talking to and, um, you know, getting a feel for how they would fit with what they're trying to do as long as, as well as interviewing outside sources, right? By all accounts, you, you kind of expect them to bring in their own guys, right? So I would, I would assume that unless Gus Bradley, you know, really wowed him and, and got him, you know, to a point where, where he felt comfortable continuing on with him. Um, I, I think we probably see someone else come in. If that were to be the case, here's a couple names. First one on the list, I think probably top of the list, if we were, were trying to go snag someone, Don Martindale. 
Uh, Andy mentioned before a couple episodes ago how the Ravens, um, they, they decided to part ways with him. He was their D coordinator for 10 years. He only had one more year on his contract, and they decided that they were just going to you know, agree to part ways so they could move on to the next chapter, whatnot. But first, he started out as a Raiders uh, linebacking coach from 2004 to 2008. That was when he started his NFL coaching career. Um, he was the Broncos D coordinator, coordinator in 2010 and then uh, went to the Ravens after that. And the Ravens, as everybody knows over the years, has always been known for their defense, right? Known for their ability at linebacker too and and just known for being a hard hitting um they bring the pressure a lot and they like to be very aggressive and and this last year um the ravens defense they were littered with so many injuries that it's hard to you know they regressed this last year but it's hard to look at that and say like this is a coaching issue or whatnot they just they were so downtrodden by injuries and stuff like that so i think we're kind of seeing a situation where a team wants to move on from where they've been the last decade, but you've, you've got a coach that by all accounts is tried and true and, and has uh, been able to coach defenses very well. Uh, in my opinion would be number one at the top of the list uh, for me. Uh, second Drod Mayo, like Andy mentioned linebacker coach, maybe D coordinator, whatever you want to, you know, call what he's done. Um, he played with new England uh, 08 to 15. You know, he, as we talked about, he was, a candidate for head coaching position, right? You mentioned this, Andy, when you were talking about D'Amico Ryans. You know, you're going from a positional coach to a defensive coordinator, and then one year later, jumping into head coach. Like, that's a quick jump, right? And Mayo would be kind of essentially skipping over that defensive coordinator spot to go to head coaching. Um, you know, it might help his career along if he stopped as a D coordinator showed that he could do it, go from there. The only problem with that is, is that a short-term option? You know, he's on that short list of people were looking at him this year. So, you know, probably within the next two or three years for sure. But does that really work out in regards to, you know, a long-term thing? But once again, familiarity with McDaniels, the New England system and whatnot. So those were just a couple of options for D coordinator spots. Andrew, what say you? Um, no, I mean, I think this is going to be the, this is going to be the big hire, right? You know, it, it is good to hear that they're not just clearing out shop and, and just going to bring in their own guys, right? So if they're um, evaluating each coach that is on staff, I think that's a good thing. I think with Gus Bradley, there's a lot of, even though it was one year, we saw a quick turnaround. You know, Jake um, has brought this up, but everyone could see that that Gus Bradley system really has has proven to be very effective for us. Now, I think there's, a difference between him kind of coming in and improving us and also like, Hey, he, he kind of maximized a lot of our players that really, we weren't a talented bunch, but like we played a lot better than I think really what our personnel was. So I think there should be a lot of things that are, are factored into that. So like, at least from what I've seen over the last five years, like with Martindale, he was someone that is kind of like an Eric B enemy where it's like uh, on the defensive side where someone that has been in this is he ready to be a head coach like he's kind of like in those in those talks um similar with Kansas City where I think Harbaugh cared so much about him and his impact on the team that they probably just promoted not promoted him but like gave him a little bit more of increases throughout to where he wanted to stay and not take those head coaching jobs and like Michael like you mentioned I think that's a great point is that he got fired and you can look at that as a negative thing but I mean they had so many injuries um their team wasn't 
even on the offense side, Lamar was out the last like four or five games. So it doesn't tell the whole story, but what, if you want to talk about the whole story, like the last 10 years of the Ravens defense has always been a strong defense, um, very intricate blitzing, very creative as far as um, how they attack different defense week by week. So that type of background, I think would be incredible for the Raiders. And like you said, pending, we do move from um, Gus Bradley. So where I still like to keep Gus Bradley, yeah, I, I think that I would still favor that um, over anything just because of his familiarity. And then also you talk about losing Rich Bisaccia. You talk about losing, I believe, Rod Marinelli, if he hasn't already signed, is, is considering a D-line role um, with, what's his name, um, Iberflus, who worked with him when they were on the Cowboys. So, And he just recently took over the Chicago Bears role. So you talk about the camaraderie on the defense and you lose you know, your head coach, your D-line coach, and then you lose your um, D coordinator. So that would be tough. But regardless, I think what we've heard recently is that the Raiders are going to stick into that 4-3 personnel, um, which is important as far as how we evaluate talent and bring on folks. Um, but also I think everyone knows that the the base defense, because the 4-3 and the 3-4 is, is how you kind of quantify. Like hey, this is what your base defense is, which which how you focus. But it's like this day and age, it's all out of nickel. So the nickel is basically – cut out a linebacker and you bring in a corner. So everything, your base is your nickel, but I think the line, the D line is considered as far as we want to kind of have that four, three base as far as theoretically, because Max and Ngakwe are best utilized that way. And that they were obviously, as everyone knows, a big reason for our success this year. So with Martindale, with Mayo, I think we're in a pretty good situation. And I don't think this is anything that I've considered as of until recently, but I wonder what the advantages of McDaniels and Ziegler coming on actually do outside of just their background. So you want to evaluate the head coach and is he, is he ready for this job? Is, is Ziegler ready for this job? What about their connections? You know, talk about Bradley when he came over from, you know, San, not San Diego, Los Angeles, but he brought over Casey Hayward. We were able to trade for Denzel Perryman because he had started with the chargers and then yeah, sure. We gave a bag of nickels to the Panthers just to get Perriman over. But like, it's the familiarity that these guys want to come over to the coaches that they've been coached by previously. So I think with McDaniels and with Ziegler and with the familiarity of different coaches they've interacted with, we might actually have a, a leg up. And, and as much as Mayo was interviewing for the head coaching job, like he's not calling the plays. So it, it would be looked at as a promotion as far as his career is concerned. If he did move over to the Raiders because McDaniels is focused all on offense and you don't have Belichick to call the plays on defense. So think there's a lot of good um possibilities out there and we'll see how it goes but i i think that if it was any of the three of mayo wink or what's his name uh, Gus bradley i think we're in a good spot but as long as we stay with our base and you know i think that's going to be our best to where we don't have to like i guess rebuild more so just that reload and kind of add to that that team that we have right now so i think that you know you're you're right in that in that whole like you know, what are their connections type of things. I think what we're seeing a lot with, um, you know, these connections of people that could be coming in with different coordinator positions, all that kind of stuff, you know, it all is stemming from such a legendary program when it comes to, you know, the um, the Patriots. And, you know, at, at one point or another, you know, people were here doing that or whatnot. But I think Mark Davis is just like, Ever since that that Patriots came in the playoffs, we just can't get out of their shadow. Let's just bring all of their people over here. So <laughs> can't have Belichick, but we'll grab everybody else if we can. He's such a dork, dude. He is like, yeah. like I, it's not like I want him to be like 
like the bad guy from three ninjas just like slick back hair like oh that's a cool villain it's just like he's just such a dork like you're like that dude got he got put in the trash can in high school every other day guaranteed you know it's it doesn't matter because he owns a team but it's just like man could you just like have a normal haircut like for once in a while (laughs) never no it's just it's so bad but anyways but i i mean guys I, i i think ultimately like for once we can feel pretty pretty good about the leadership and the organization um, trajectory as for the Raiders and I guess all that's left is to stress out about everything else as far as the coordinators and the draft that's coming up so but I think all intents and purposes like what we had talked about I, I I felt pretty strongly about as far as like if we didn't get the McDaniels or Harbaugh and we did pass on Bisaccia and we took a chance on a day ball or we took a chance on, you know, Eva flus, like those guys that were just unknown. I, I, I wouldn't be feeling, you know, this optimistic, but I feel pretty good. So I, I believe that's the last thing I'll have to say here tonight. Um, but, you know, you guys feel free to chime in. Lots of content to come for the Raider take podcast. That's all I'll have to say. Yeah. Not, not your last appearance, Jake, by the way, you kind of just were negotiated mid mid episode. So don't even tease me like that. You're a recurring guest, so that means you have to come on anytime we ask. Which <laughs> You got it. I'm in. Well, that was a lot. We went through a lot. We touched on a lot. As you said, Andy, there is a lot of things to be excited about. I think you look at every aspect of so far where we've gone with the selections, um, where we could potentially go with the selections. It just seems like we are upgrading no matter what. You know what I mean? We're going to be, you know, this last year felt like it was a great upgrade for the defense. Seems like we have a chance to, you know, continue with that or even get better with our defensive coordinator, you know, and the way that we've just kind of seemed to, you know, upgrade everything. It seems like things are moving in a positive direction. So I'm very excited for it, not just because it's new, but when you really look into McDaniels uh, and Ziegler and their connection, where they came from, what they've done, all that stuff, there's almost a little bit of like, peace of mind um, or just kind of like that exhale of like, okay, like I feel comfortable with this because top to bottom, it seems pretty stable. So we've got a lot to touch on in the future. As you said, Jake, we got many more moons um, to come of discussions to be had, but we appreciate having you on and appreciate you coming on and, and, and wrapping it down with us and, and getting down on, on some more Raider talk as always. Yeah, I can't wait to be back, and I, I won't ever request a PTO like Andy, so don't worry. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily request it. I was just curious if we would have <laughs> some kind of vacation because I'm gassed, guys. You know, Mike and I have been grinding, and Jake's just pulling us, you know, back to where we need to go. So, but no, I, I get it. You got to improve overtime as, as, as long as you've been been at the company so jake you've been here for about three days so you won't be able to request overtime <laughs> pto for about a year and a half um but no it, it's exciting there's a lot of good stuff that we'll be able to touch on senior bowl is happening this weekend um pro bowl which is in vegas um is is happening this weekend with we got renfro crosby aj cole denzel perriman that's shown out for the raiders so we'll be good we'll be previewing the uh super bowl next week and then and then it's on draft season. That's when Mike, just, Mike and I just grind the tape and go through each positioning group. Um, so it'll be fun. A lot of good things to look forward to. And Jake, stay ready. Just stay warm. Just be on the on-deck circle with the, you know, the donut on your bat, just swinging. You know, just stay ready that way. 
Got geek out season is upon us with the drafts. Is, I, yeah. So I, I got you. <laughs> Good. As always, we appreciate the love. Please share, subscribe, rate, review. Give us those five stars on Apple Podcast. Um, go check out our our new website, RaiderTakePodcast.com. Um, we got all of our socials attached. We got the merch there. We got a new little section. It's it's called Meet the Brothers. Right at the end, you get to see uh, we got a, we got a sweet little picture there of me and Andy at uh, probably like eight and nine years old hanging out with Tim Brown. So go check that out. Give you a yeah. reason to, to to go check out the page, but um, got a new website. Uh, go follow us on YouTube. Go watch us on YouTube. If you're watching right now, you can see all of our handles on the screen. Uh, go download DraftKings Sportsbook. If you are just listening on the podcast, we appreciate it. But go check us out on YouTube. Go check it out. Go subscribe. Go uh, flick that uh, little bell notification to let you know every time we drop a video. We appreciate all the all the support you guys give us and everything you do for us. We just try to keep pushing out some content for you. So we are uh, moving into the off season. Obviously the NFL season isn't over. We got the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks, but we officially move into hashtag draft season. So a lot to come of that, but till next week. That's right. Raider nation. Love you guys. Stand up as always, Jake. Thank you for joining us. Um, next week will be filled with a lot of, Super Bowl content and a lot of prop bets. So you guys better figure out which Gatorade color is going to be dumped on the head winning head coach of the winning team. Um, so we'll cover all that stuff. But until next time, peace out. <laughs>